0: from RF smart. This is taking inventory, a podcast all about better controlling your supply chain and improving inventory management. And now your host, Sarah Archer.
1: Welcome to Taking Inventory with RF Smart. My name is Sarah Archer, and I am your host. And I'm joined today by two of my very favorite NetSuite guys at RF Smart, Seth King and Daniel Shepard. I'm so excited to have them on the podcast today because they are a wealth of knowledge about our NetSuite product. And so um, I'm going to introduce them a little bit. Seth is here with me in the studio. Seth is a senior sales executive, and he's been with RF Smart for four years. He has worked with 300-plus companies, which includes FDA regulars, Regulated companies, ATF-regulated companies, startups, and publicly traded organizations. And, fun fact, he has been to a lot of national parks. How many national parks have you been to, Seth?
0: I don't know how many I've been to, but it's certainly my job in traveling, and visiting warehouses, I get the opportunity to see a lot of different states, and sometimes I take my family along for those trips. Um One I remember here recently was we flew everyone out kind of on a four day notice. I got called to be on site in Washington and we flew a few days early and spent three days camping out in Olympic National Park right in the middle of fall. So that was probably a really good memorable event for me in the last three or four months. Oh
1: yeah, I bet that was really beautiful. Cool. Awesome. And Daniel is here. Um, he's actually calling in because he is on site with a customer. If you know Daniel Shepard, you probably love Daniel Shepard. Um, he is one of our customers' favorite people to talk to. Um, and that's because he has worked with most of our customers. He's a senior business analyst at RF Smart, and he's been with our company for six years. And he um, has like I said, worked either directly or by assisting his colleagues with most of our customers. Besides that, he has 20-plus years of experience in manufacturing. He worked in handguns and aircraft ignition systems before RF Smart, and then, of course, now he works with warehouse customers directly. And he is known for his inventory management background, and his fun fact is that he enjoys inventory and solving inventory problems. But the real fun fact is that Daniel's family is a band. Daniel. Can you talk a little bit about your family?
2: Sure. As I travel on the road, my wife and five of the nine children uh, practice at home, playing their bluegrass gospel music. And so once I land back home on Friday evenings, they take off from Friday evening through Sunday when they're dumping me off on a Monday to play at various churches and uh, festivals around the state of Florida. And uh, today, as a matter of fact, yesterday morning when they dropped me off, they went to a church up in North Jacksonville right after they dropped me off. So inventory, though, was the part of it. So as you hear, yes, nine children.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could definitely, uh, there's definitely inventory to be taken with nine children. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. Um, let's talk a little bit about manufacturing. So um, RF Smart has hundreds of manufacturing customers. And so today we want to address some questions that we get around manufacturing Seth, could you explain manufacturing in NetSuite, maybe some terms that we need to know if you're if you're new to NetSuite?
0: Yeah, sure. So I think before we talk about the different levels of manufacturing in NetSuite, we need to identify what type of manufacturer are you, right? And there's really two categories you would fall into. Uh, the most common in the NetSuite world would be that you are a discrete manufacturer. And what this means is you have a work order, you have some components, and you assemble an item. So this chair, for example... I can take these different pieces and put them together. But if I wanted to take this chair apart, I could take this chair apart. If you fall into the category of a process manufacturer, it's a completely different situation because that's probably more like baking a cake, right? You've got a list of components. In this case, though, it's more like flour and eggs, water. And when you put these components together, you can't exactly disassemble a cake. Um, So discrete manufacturing, process manufacturing, Right. Two completely different processes and probably need different levels of manufacturing and that's whether that's a work order assembly or a whip and routing process. Um, So, Daniel, maybe you can start by talking through a little bit of those different levels of manufacturing and maybe start at kit package items and then we'll work our way up to work order assemblies.
2: Sure. Yeah. So kits are where you've got components sitting on the shelf. Uh, that you can sell them separately or you can start selling as a bundle pack like people do at holidays time uh, that you buy these three for a great deal, but those three are put together for a price break for you, the end user consumer. So a kit is a top-level item that is sold, but you pick individual components to make that up and you can sort and select. You can have various uh, options to it because you don't stock the kit. Whereas the work order process, you do want to stock things ahead of time. So you're going to use some sort of a work order to build a top level, whether you're using the WIP with the operations and routing and timing or whether you're just doing a straight build. This way, your personnel can clearly define where they're going to stock this finished good product and whether they're going to use it as a subassembly into the next layer of a build or if it's sold as is once it's finished.
0: Right. So kits, really, you're not really stocking an item. It's more of a phantom item for the the sake of selling, maybe on a website, right? So you want to be able to sell a group of components and then provide your end user with a discount upon that purchase. And then assembled items would be, now you're going to build a finished good and then stock that in your actual warehouse. Yes, sir. Okay. So work order reporting, or sorry, work order assemblies, right? So we have work order assemblies, we have whip and routing. We have a lot of customers that do things um, very differently. Some of our customers have flat bill materials, right? So it's a very simple manufacturing process. They take a group of components and they build a finished good, right? So a bike, for example, they take a couple tires, a frame, handlebars, and they build that bike. But we also have some customers that leverage sub-assemblies with the work order assembly process in NetSuite. So maybe they actually stock those tires separately as well because they sell them on their website. Daniel, could you talk us through a bit where customers would leverage work order with sub assemblies rather than a top level assembly?
2: Uh, sure. Just as you were mentioning, if you're doing it as a sub assembly, so that bike, you want to make those tires ahead of time. 22 inch tires go on many various types of bikes so they can make the tires ahead of time and stock them in the shell. So now you can order a replacement tire and it's already made for you and you're purchasing that or that finished tire can also now be put into the next layer of that finished bike that's going to be sold at the store instead of just the component tire Uh, and so now it's added as a subassembly item into the top layer of the bike that's going to be finished Um, and so also you have your bike frames and so forth that you can make them into different finishes and that's where you would stock the uh, subassembly of the bike that's just raw waiting for it to go through sanding polishing finishing and then uh coloring so those that's the different ways you'd want to use whip versus sub-assembly and versus uh being able to sell that sub-assembly or build it into the next level
0: so kits being kind of the the foundation of manufacturing right it's a phantom item you want to grab some components work order assembly being i want to build a basic component stock it sub-assembly is meaning i build Uh, segments of that finished good and stock it and that ultimately roll up to that finished good. And then whip and routing being, maybe I'm that bike uh, manufacturer, but I actually weld the frame, I sand it, it cures, right? It's a longer, more complex process, which means I'm going to need visibility into those individual operations.
2: Yep. Yep. And then the outside, yeah. So when you use an outside vendor, that's the good thing about WIP because you could have that slotted operation that sends it out to that vendor to do that welding for you to even know how long it takes at the vendor.
1: All right. Thank you, guys. Um, Let's move on and talk a little bit about back flushing. So we get a lot of questions about when to back flush or when not to back flush. So can you explain what back flushing is and scenarios that you would use back
0: flushing? Daniel, why don't you take yeah. the backflushing conversation? Sure,
2: no worries. So backflushing is just a simple way of uh, completing your work order and letting the system deduct all the components that are set for that bill of material. Um, some customers find use in that, uh, those that are quick builds and assemblies that they don't want to sit there and go through the bottle for each set component and moving it to an area to issue to the work order first. Other customers that would rather not, they would rather control where the inventory sits within their organization, they will do the issue to the work order so that they can move it out of their stock bin so that their inventory is perfect at all times in the system because otherwise, if it takes five days to build a product, the system will not deduct the components used in it until five days later. Whereas if you issue to the work order, it's an immediate movement of inventory. Your inventory is solid within that bin or location within the warehouse.
0: Daniel, is there a case where you may want to issue only some of the components from that work order, but you may want to backflush things like the screws and the bolts and the small widgets?
2: There is. So Yeah, manufacturers that use those small type of components with a Kanban type system at their work assembly, They'll just backflush those smaller ones, issue the larger ones out of their stock area that they don't have room for on the floor. So you can, in NetSuite, delve it out either way that you can backflush what's not issued. Um, You can backflush everything or you can issue everything. Uh, It does come in handy, though, with the smaller components like you mentioned.
0: And where would you say, I'm kind of curious, right? So we've both worked with a lot of customers and Um, When would you determine it's smart to have work orders with multiple sub-assemblies that you then build and stock to roll up to that top-level assembly? And when would you determine, you know, this manufacturing process is really long. It's not always static. Maybe I need to transition to whip and routing. And that's something you've been very good about in identifying in our customers. And you've even actually convinced some of our customers to purchase that whip and routing module in NetSuite because it was going to streamline their manufacturing process.
2: Sure. Um, the whip and routing really comes into it It is that higher level of NetSuite. So they even have to upgrade NetSuite besides our product, but this is where you want to capture the time that the personnel take to build that product where you want more finite operation system that you say, okay, first it goes to, uh, pick components. Then the next level is sanding down the items that are going to be used in the build, et cetera. Um, using the sub-assembly method, this way you can build your subcomponents ahead of time and not have to wait for the whole work order to be released out to the floor. So if you've got an item like the bike tires that you mentioned earlier, and it's used on many various finished bikes, you would wanna build these ahead of time because you're always going to utilize them. So you would use that subassembly build, stock it into a bin, so that now your next layer of your build work order, you can pull that finished item and start using it while you're pulling your other components for the next step. Um, lots of customers look at it that they have to jump into WIP right away, unless they're truly set up in NetSuite all the way with all their accounting background features, WIP does become a challenge for some, so they need to be extremely careful in what they're
0: doing.
1: Yeah, so let's actually talk a little bit about whip. Um, first of all, Seth, can you define WIP for us?
0: Sure. So WIP would be work in process manufacturing. So as Daniel mentioned, right, generally this is a process where you're going to start tracking things like machine run time, actual labor spent on an assembly. Um and, and this brings up a good point as well. As you look at these different levels of manufacturing in NetSuite, you've got you know, kits on the lower end. You have work order assemblies as kind of stair, step two. You then have whip and routing as that third step. And then you have NetSuite's advanced manufacturing module. But there's a lot of runway in between that whip and routing module and advanced manufacturing. And that's where we came up with the idea to release work order reporting in the last few days. Um, yeah, Let's
1: talk about work order reporting a little bit. Um, that's exciting new functionality for NetSuite that we um, are, are getting ready to roll out. And so um, the great thing about our work order reporting is that it gives you complete mobile visibility into every step of your shop fork. So can you talk about how that um, kind of works with manufacturers and, and where they might be able to use that?
0: Yeah, so when you install the the whip and routing modules in NetSuite, it starts to expose some additional fields, as Daniel mentioned, right? Now you're not doing this assembly, but now you have what they call as an operation. And that operation could be sanding, cleaning, packaging, welding. Um, and what this gives you the ability to do is start to set up some of those fields, like machine setup times, so you could default that to, say, hey, I know this sander takes five minutes for the employee to get set up, and then there's an actual labor runtime there as well. Now, some customers decide they want to default this time and know, hey, it always takes this average employee about 10 minutes to, to sand this material down at this operation. But there are other customers looking to kind of get a, a further um, insight into their operations, and they want to track that actual runtime. And that's where order reporting comes in, is your user will actually be able to scan into their work order at that point select the operation they're at and then essentially you're starting a clock so i could go through that process of working on a single work order or i could even work on two work orders because maybe it's more efficient for me to to do two customers uh, product at the same time and then once i stop that operation we'll track that labor back to that work order and if you're working on multiple work orders, we'll actually split that time across those work orders, whether it's an even split of time or whether it's based on the quantity on that work order.
1: Awesome. And um, this could be a question for for you, Seth, or for Daniel, but how is work order reporting different from work center reporting and how do those two kind of play into each other?
0: Yeah, so work center reporting has been out for uh, some time Um, It was more of a kiosk version um, tool, so you would run this more on a terminal or a desktop out in the warehouse. And what we found was a lot of customers in their manufacturing processes either didn't have the equipment or the space for a full desktop application or kiosk out on the floor. So a lot of those existing customers came to us and said, hey, it'd be great if we could leverage these devices or mobile devices out on the floor to then start to track this labor." As part of that rebuild, um, we also went ahead and added some new features to that um, to be able to, to do things like splitting time across multiple work orders, support for lots and serials, and generating those labels uh, at the end of the process.
1: So it sounds like if you have work center reporting now, you're a good candidate for work order reporting. Are there any other scenarios that maybe work order reporting could work into your um, into your business?
0: Yeah, so I think the first thing you have to ask yourself is, you know, do you use the whip and routing modules of NetSuite? If that answer is yes, then you should certainly explore work order reporting. And if you're already a customer that owns work center reporting, then you should certainly take a look at it to see if that's going to be a, a viable upgrade for you and increase process even more.
2: Yeah.
1: Anything to add there, Daniel, about work order reporting or work center reporting?
2: No, so as Seth was saying about the different operations in time, it all relates back to any customer for the accounting. So WIP is used mainly by customers who wanna validate their cost that they're selling it at the right level price. And they'll only know that if they're meeting what the design was for that, how long that operation takes. So
1: cool. Well, I'm really excited about this functionality because I think it's going to um, be a big change and big exciting stuff for our customers, um, but let's let's kind of move on past work order reporting. If you have questions about that, um, please reach out because we would love to talk more. Um, but Seth, you kind of teased this a moment ago, so I'd like to talk a little bit more about it. But um, w- after WHIP, right? You said there are set, there are levels. Once you get to WHIP, um, what's the next level? Will you talk a little bit about advanced manufacturing? And Daniel, of course, please feel free to sure. to add in some commentary.
0: Yeah, so I think it's important to notate that, um, right, in these different levels of manufacturing, right, there are different modules that are required inside of NetSuite. Generally, if you own advanced inventory inside of NetSuite, you own the ability to, to do work orders and assemblies and kits. You then have to purchase that whip and routing module to be able to leverage things like operations and labor runtime and machine setup time. Let's say you're doing that, you're leveraging work order reporting, you're tracking labor, and you still need more efficiencies in your business. There is a module um, in NetSuite called advanced manufacturing. Now, where the big value of advanced manufacturing comes is now you're you're generating at such a high level of um, process and you have so many work orders a day and so many different routing steps and machines, you're maybe starting to get backlogged in certain operations. So you're getting stacked up or you're getting a bottleneck at a certain operation and maybe you need a better, a better scheduling tool. So you want to release work orders in a certain process to make sure that they're moving through all of the operations without jamming up any particular um, step in the process. And Daniel, I know you have uh, a fair amount of experience from being out in the field and working with advanced manufacturing customers. Um, we do work alongside advanced manufacturing. Some of our customers even just leverage our smart to do that front end issue of those components. And then from there, advanced manufacturing would take over, and then we may even pick back up for that final completion to generate things like the finished good labels with barcodes, serial, and lot information on there.
2: Sure, the uh, customers that are using the advanced manufacturing also, what it helps them with is the future forecast for planning and bringing materials in. So you're not bringing it all in today when you don't need it for another six months. It will lay that out for them in more of a line. So it's got a lot of different reporting tools that add on to what NetSuite's got um, for the manufacturing side. And then also if you change the schedule midstream, it will then take care of changing, moving out or moving in those requirements. And so it just, it adds that layer of help. What it doesn't do is lead anyone through their warehouse in a logical path. And this is why customers rely on the R smart functionalities to lead them down that pathway through their warehouse to get their components and so forth.
0: And while we're talking about components, I just thought of a question, Daniel, and it comes up often, right? So we talk about bill of materials and, you know, certainly uh, in the process of picking for a work order assembly, right? We're consuming materials based on that bill of material. But as you know, in whip and routing, you can actually over issue components and you also get the ability to to do scrap and some additional um, logic there in whip and routing. Can you maybe talk about the scenarios where um, whip would provide that extra flexibility and what to look for if you're that type of customer as to when you're going to want to over issue components and how that would work?
2: Sure, uh, yeah, so just to be clear for anyone <laughs> that the scrap section of NetSuite that calls out scrap on its work order completions, it's actually scrapping the costing and the finished product, not the subcomponents that might be bad. So the customers that are trying to, they don't wanna issue exactly 100 pieces to the work order, they know they use extra because of scrap through the process, so they will use work order issue and issue 125 pieces. This way their stock inventory is straight. It's already lost 125 by the issue. And now the floor, if uh, all 25 uh, that they're guesstimating is going to be scrapped, they don't have to write it off as inventory adjustment. It's already been issued through the work order and taken out of the general ledger. The part where if there's any extra left over, then they can make an inventory adjustment increase back to their area and transfer that back to their stock room. Um, and so that's the biggest level of the uh, scrap part that customers like the utilization of NetSuite doing. NetSuite allows you to finish building products. So a lot of customers that have come on lately, what they want to do is they want to complete their work order first and then decide to issue the components later because of that scrap process. They don't want to have to write inventory adjustments writing off the product. They want to validate it that it was issued to the work order and caused scrap from their GL adjustments.
0: Great. So I know we have, I've worked with quite a few customers, class two medical device customers, ATF regulated customers. And, you know, as I'm doing demonstrations for clients and walking them through these processes, there's always the same question, right? I need traceability through that process, right? I need to know what lot control components, what serial numbers go into this finished product. And as you and I both know, right, they're are some best practices around that. Things like not mixing lots that roll into um, a finished good, right? So you can then maintain that traceability. So maybe talk through kind of some of your experience out in the field as it relates to best practices in maintaining that traceability of those inventory details on those components all the way through that finished good.
2: Yeah, so serialized, as you said, it is simpler because it's one for one. It's the lot-controlled items that really become the struggle. Uh, Because if you have a work order for 100 finished goods, and it's going to take two different lot uh, subcomponents to make it, NetSuite isn't going to uh, separate it out. that The first 20 were used from lot number A, whereas the next – uh, 80 were used from lot number B. There's just no way. It's just going to know that both lot number components were issued. So customers uh, are finding that struggle, and so what they'll do is they'll break down their top level into two work orders, just so that they can have that traceability of exactly what lot number got issued to which work order to come out, which which completed lot numbered assembly. I uh, do have a few customers that they can't do that. They have to mix lots. They've got oils, for example, and oils are put into a vat, and they've got two different shipments. There's nothing they can do about it. Both uh, raw materials are dumped in, so two different lot numbers from the vendors. Now they have to somehow traceability, and they're going do right now they're currently doing that outside of NetSuite to trace which two lot numbers became this brand new lot number that they're adjusting into NetSuite.
0: So it sounds like best practices, right? Don't mix those lots in a work order. You still will still have visibility if you do mix lots in a work order. But if in the case of a recall, right, you're generally led to recalling a much larger group of product, right? Because if you do build 100 finished goods, you're not going to know which 50 contain that lot that may have been compromised.
2: Exactly, Seth. And that's the biggest challenge they're seeing today.
1: Kind of wrap up here today, Seth or Daniel, do you have any customer stories that you want to share? Maybe a particular manufacturing customer comes to mind of how they um, implemented any of the features that we've talked about today um, and how that transformed their business.
0: Yeah, so I have a a customer of a medical device company, um, and they purchased the whip and routing modules of NetSuite. Um, The next step of this process in their growth will be work order reporting, and I'll talk about why they decided whip and routing was right for them rather than advanced distribu- or the work order assemblies. So when they started with NetSuite, they went straight into whip and routing. Now, their process is they bring all of these components in, and their raw materials, things like gauze, um, packaging materials, and various medical device kind of small instruments and widgets. And they custom pack these um, into different containers for surgeons and doctors. Now, it's not just a process of grabbing these components and putting them in a box and sealing them. It's a pretty in-depth process. Um, Now, as you can imagine, right, if I have a a box of gauze and um, I have different versions of gauze that are all different SKUs, when I grab those components to go push them into a clean room for this manufacturing process, I still need to know what lot in component that is. So they actually did some really... Uh, Cool customization of the product at that point to to print custom labels out on mobile printers um, and then label those materials before they go in this clean room. So this kind of starts that process of WIP, right? So that's that issue of components out in the warehouse, grabbing those materials. These now go into a clean room where they go through an assembly process. Well, after this assembly process and product gets packaged, it actually has to go off site for three or four days and be sterilized. So, as this product goes off-site, they wanted to be able to track, well, what work orders are off-site right now? And they didn't want to set that up as a location or a bin and, and try and transfer this inventory. So, one of their routing steps was this sterilization process. So, they kind of were able to set up that time and how long that would take of three days. So, then if a customer was to call in and say, hey, where is my product? I need it. They could look in that longer manufacturing process and tell that customer, hey, we're expecting your product back from sterilization in one day. So that was a really good use case of whip and routing and how they set up those routing steps to gain visibility into their manufacturing process.
1: Awesome. Daniel, do you have any stories from the field you want to share?
2: Um, We got the bakeries that we're doing right now, and they are using even the advanced manufacturing of NetSuite uh, to try and pull in all the best of both what our Smart and NetSuite modules can do for them. Uh, They do, they have had some customizations where they make their baked goods and they need to know by hour. Because of course, like Seth mentioned earlier, if they made 20,000 pies, for example, they don't want to pull back 20,000. They can now solidify it to which ones were made within the hour from 9 to 10 a.m., from 10 to 11, because of their date code sequencing of that finished lot. So um, it's been a really good uh, uh, module for them to leverage for both of us. The newest one that I've got coming on is going to do a similar process that Seth just mentioned of his, which uh, may even bounce off of Seth some different things that they rolled out because it definitely sounds like they want to be able to, from the field, you, the sales rep, who that customer is going to call first, you're able to look in your NetSuite system long range and say, okay, it's at operation 20. So the next three, it should be down to you and ready to ship to you in five days um that's doesn't out of the box do that and so that's where the customization processes will come in
1: all right well we're right at our time so i think we'll get it wrapped up for today. Um, Thank you so much, Seth and Daniel, for joining me and thank you for listening. If you have questions about what we covered today, you can visit our website at www.rfsmart.com. If you search podcast in the search bar up in the right-hand corner of our website, it'll take you to a page where you can submit questions or you can access other episodes of the podcast. So stay tuned um, and, and look for more information there. Thanks again so much for joining us, Seth and Daniel. You guys are so great and i'm so glad that we got to um got to listen to everything you had to share today so with that um thanks for listening see you again soon